You're listening to the 515 Podcast, led by Pastor John Wayne McMahon with Kingwood United Methodist Church in Kingwood, Texas. Thanks for downloading. Hi there. Welcome to episode 42 of the 515 Podcast. John Wayne is staring at me right now and making me, trying to make me smile and laugh. So I'm not making any eye contact with him, but he's there, so I will acknowledge that. John, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm feeling lonely right now because you won't look Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. I feel bad. <laughs> um, it's definitely not guilt for not being at church on Sunday that I'm experiencing because... Yeah. Uh, um, it's but more I was, than that. It's more than that. But I was not there. So the, I'm, this is one of those moments where we're like, how are we going to do this? Yeah. How am I going to have an uh, intelligent conversation about the subject well, of, of the sermon? You didn't I, listen to the sermon? <laughs> Part B of that is that there were some, uh, we'll call them technical difficulties, where the uh, podcast, the sermons were not recorded. Yeah. And as such, there are none to be listened to this week. Yeah, so, so if you missed it, this is this is what you get. This is one of those, though, but this is now legendary because there's no people evidence. People will only be able to talk about mm-hmm. it. First mm-hmm. person, people yeah. who heard it firsthand. Mm-hmm. So congratulations if you were there on Sunday and yeah. heard it. Um, I'm retiring. Oh no! Breaking news. Yeah. Just uh, so let us um, continue this Lenten series. Yeah. And what, what it's called? Mm-hmm. What is it? Make ready. Yeah. I almost said Jason's. We're attention. ready, but I didn't. I said make ready. <laughs> um, but let let's uh, get get us caught up on this second week, right? Yes. Uh, okay. Week two. And. Um, where we're at, and then at the end we'll kind of continue and in, in like we always do and say uh, see what's going on for next week's. Lenten yeah, sermon. absolutely. So week two of this series, make ready. Um, if you've been following along, we are uh, focusing in on the upper room discourse in John's Gospel, which some scholars kind of label it that. But um, what happens in John thirteen through seventeen? is a focus in of Jesus on some teachings with the disciples. The the author of the gospel kind of groups together some teachings, but um, essentially it presents final words and teachings and encouragement from Jesus to the disciples in that final week before mm-hmm. he gives himself up on the cross. And so we, uh, while we... Um, consider all all teachings from Jesus there's something unique about these final teachings and there's there's a purpose behind what Jesus is giving his disciples in that final week and so it's kind of cool to put ourselves into that upper room and to consider why G- Jesus chooses uh, to teach the way he does mm-hmm. um, I've said the last couple weeks that this is him. Uh, loving them to the very end and he's loving them by preparing them for his death he's loving them by preparing them for grief and the shock of it all uh, by uh, promising the advocate of the Holy Spirit by um, praying for them so the final we'll kind of conclude with this big pastoral prayer Mm -hmm. uh, that Jesus has for his disciples and so all of these things are are taking place but all of this is how he's loving them and then this week uh, the interesting thing is he's loving them by forcing them to consider the contents of their own heart and he does that by pointing out the betrayal of Judas Mm -hmm. and maybe and I argued the parallel of the betrayal of Peter because John's gospel has them kind of stacked on top of each other. Yeah. And I actually think there's 
there's some parallels that are taking place there. Maybe not to compare like directly Judas to Peter, mm-hmm. but at least to have the audience who is reading this, even modern audience, to consider the betrayals of the two of the two guys and what that looks like. Cool. How's that intro? That is a good intro. Yeah. So it was fun. It was kind of in your in your face <laughs> sermon, but yeah. uh, it, we had to wrestle with some hard stuff Sunday. That's awesome. Yeah. So. So the betrayal of Judas versus the betrayal of Peter, it it could be, this could be one of those like essays you write where compare and contrast, you know, where you list all the things of how they're similar and here's how they're different. Um, Kind of help me out here since I was not there. Yeah. So, so I'll give you a little bit more overview, especially if you're listening on the podcast and you weren't here Sunday. Yeah. You can't go back and listen to the sermon. So here's kind of what, what I tried to do Sunday. I tried to show that uh, let's understand the context of Judas's betrayal. Mm -hmm. What what we do know, we do know um, that Judas, uh, Matthew and Luke, I think um, are, are explicit in saying that Judas is going to sell the betrayal for money. Mm -hmm. uh, And so to the high priest. And so, there's some context that we can study. We also know many many scholars know that Judas, or at least speculate that Judas is probably some kind of a zealot. And the zealots uh, we understood to be um, these people that were ideologically charged that believed that it was going to be the overthrow of the government led by a new King David of okay. sort uh-huh. that was going to buck the system and rescue the Jews uh, in Israel once more. And so. Um, and and I don't just say that to say this is some crazy, crazy activist. What I, I, I do want you to think about the fact that the Old Testament seems to communicate some of those things. Mm-hmm. And while Jesus's death does and resurrection does overthrow the enemy, it's in a way that is not was like not expected. And so Judas was a kind of radically charged ideal. I mean, it, he cared about his his country, his yeah. nation. And so that's kind of a, a back a backside, a back context to, to what's happening. Then the second thing was the love of money, and that just didn't just come out of nowhere. He didn't just like all of a sudden go, "Oh, I just I want to pad my pockets." Yeah, that kind of existed for a while. And so when he realized I backed the wrong horse, this isn't the new King David that I thought I was gonna <laughs> gonna have. Then now there's an opportunity for him to to make some money off of it, which that was already a temptation that he had within him. And so uh, you mix those together. Then we see in John's Gospel it says. When he takes the bread from Jesus' hand, Satan comes into him, hmm. and he goes and does the betrayal. And so we wrestle with that a little bit Sunday. Does does Satan possess Judas? And I actually wanted us to think about the fact that the tempter, the deceiver of Satan, and what we experience in our own lives, what we see in Genesis uh, chapter 2, the kind of fall of, of Adam and Eve, the deceiver can kind of slightly manipulate and tempt us in a different direction and that's really all that it took for Judas it was a it was a temptation of persuasion it was it was tempting Judas with his preconceived ideological understandings his preconceived disposition towards money and his love of money and a little bit of manipulation yeah. there from dark and evil sent him off of a ledge and so there was a slippery slope of of sorts and so while we it is quick for us to vilify judas 
John's gospel does not allow us to do that because as we see what Judas does, we're quickly thrown into the picture with Peter and we see that Peter has a betrayal of his own and he's the top of the ladder disciple. I mean, he's the one that takes serious pride, too much pride in being the smartest one or the the most loyal uh, disciple. And so we see these two things kind of compared and and that's kind of what I was trying to... Yeah, we think think too frequently that evil or Satan is going to be this huge, massive thing that pops up and out of nowhere, boom, takes over this person and, and corrupts every single thing about their being. But really, Which there's, there's, there's demonic possessions does. and things sure. like that in the gospel, but that doesn't have to be how all of it is, right? And it so, could be, you know, the whole the whole premise that sometimes the simplest explanation is the one that's yeah. true is true. So also. Uh, the slightest bit of coercion or leading someone just in a slightly wrong direction yeah. could actually be all that it took. Right. Like you said, it's already slippery slope he's on and just kind of that little nudge and like, oh, look over here. Yeah, Judas had a slippery slope of his own decisions, right? Yeah. And there could have been temptation and manipulation along the way. But what we do know is Judas is overcome with grief and shame. And he takes his own life, mm-hmm. we're told by Matthew, I think. And if that's the case, then he's overcome with grief and shame. That would be indicative of him feeling shame over his own decisions, right? Yeah, for sure. Not some kind of crazy out-of-body possession. <laughs> yeah. And so I think that I think that that's indicative that, that Judas knows he yeah. screwed things he, up. I let myself do cause this yeah. or I let my yeah. temptations get the better of me. Right. And so he felt that guilt. Right. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Okay, so let's before we do some of the comparison, let's talk a little more about the betrayal of mm-hmm. Peter yeah. and what what he did. Yeah. To betray Jesus. Yeah, so Peter um in the Judas betrayal, Peter is the one that leans over to the beloved disciple and says, "Hey, find out who he's talking about." And which can be can be seen as a kind of an assurance of it's not me. Find out who the yeah. other person is, right? And which is ironic because the very next scene has Peter being told by Jesus, "No, you're going to betray me three times." Mm-hmm. And so, um, anyways, in the next the next kind of scene, uh, Jesus begins to prepare them. I'm going away. Uh, I'm going to a place that you can't go. And a, a new commandment I give you: love one another. The um, by the way that you love each other, the world will know that you belong to me, that, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Peter uh, ignores half the teaching because he hears Jesus say he's going away and <laughs> no one can come. And he's like, wait a minute, wait, you can't, you can't leave. I, we'll, we'll go with you. And Jesus yeah. says, no, you can't, you can't go where I'm going. Um, I'm going away and soon, and someday you will. But, mm-hmm. and, and Peter goes, but I'll, I'll give you my life. Like, well, I'll die for you. Mm-hmm. And Jesus has these words that kind of cut through his heart, but I think even my our hearts as we read it. Will you? Will you really? Mm-hmm. Will you really do that for us? And that's that's what's given to uh, Peter in that moment, and that's something that that Peter has to wrestle with and has to understand. 
um, that maybe he doesn't have the complete fidelity to Jesus that he's promising yeah. in this moment. And so that's kind of that's kind of the betrayal. And then later on in the story when Jesus is arrested mm-hmm. and the, the, the rooster crows three times, Peter denies him. And I, I didn't focus a lot on that. Yeah. It's more I want you to see that Peter says, Lord, um, I'll lay down my life for you. And Jesus says, will you really do that? Because you're going to betray me before long yeah and that's kind of how it leaves off <laughs> you know so to you know the, the term a judas is like used in secular societies like a backstabber or someone who's you know uh, ultimate betrayer yeah. you know and there's not a oh you're such a peter in a negative well, and, and before i know where you're going but before you get to that uh-huh. you know it's interesting i was just talking about this with someone today um in in ancient greco-roman times yeah. judas was like a top 10 name like Everyone ah. used the name Judas. Yeah. After Judas falls off the map, he no one names it. anybody Judas. Yeah, he ruined it for everybody. Yeah, that that name pulled pulled We've out. So that. that's exactly what you're talking about. Like <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um. So you know, so I, I wonder. Back to let's how can we how do we compare the betrayal of these two guys? You know how how which which is the worst betrayal in this? Because just saying. Oh no, I don't know who Jesus. That no, I'm. You know, you're turning your. He's turning his back on Jesus really when he needed him. And that's not as bad as giving away his location and for money and saying here he is. You, you guys are looking for him. Take yeah. him away. You know. So how do we help? Help me out here. How do we compare these two betrayals of these people? Yeah, no doubt that to our to us Judas's betrayal seems pretty terrible. Yeah. Um, predicted and prophesied betrayal and he still does it but Peter's is the same way Uh, Jesus is Jesus is not killed because of Judas Jesus was going to give his life up Mm -hmm. anyways Mm -hmm. right and so so you wouldn't say that Judas killed Jesus you know what I mean like Judas betrayed Mm -hmm. Jesus but so did Peter and so, like, like I think the difference becomes Judas is overcome by guilt and shame and gives his life up. And Peter is given the opportunity for repentance. Yeah. And change is that, I don't know, like, here here's the problem. I think that we start to compare the two in a way we try to justify one. Yeah. And we try to make it okay. And I think that's kind of a game that we do with our that's own Christian life. Yeah, so my follow-up question was, um, does it even matter whether or not Judas was a worse person than Peter was in this case? And um, I'm, you know... Because here's the thing. Here's here's what's under the surface of that question, I think. Okay. And I'm not accusing you of this, Jason, because I think we all do it. Is my faith... If my faith is like Peter's... And my betrayal is like Peter's. Mm-hmm. Is that enough? Yeah. And that's a dangerous place to live in. And and here's why I think that. I think that we're starting to... if We wouldn't say this like out loud, but I think underneath the surface, we're beginning to um, essentially play this game, what can I get away with? Right. Instead of... Um, Instead of wondering what God may be calling us to, mm-hmm. we're wondering what can I get away with, and I think that that's really a problem. And so I talked about allegiance and this this understanding of believing 
in God in a way that kind of drives how we orient our whole lives. And I think that that gets at the heart of that. So Bates is somebody I referred to, this author, and he says this, when I find myself wondering whether my allegiance is enough, I am forced to remind myself this is to ask the wrong question. Indeed, those who are concerned enough to ask it are probably those that are at least uh, that are in the least danger of the lack of allegiance. So those that are being honest with their faith are probably right. okay. But we still get into a place that is dangerous. Allegiance cannot be quantified or enumerated. How would you feel if you were getting married and your spouse wanted a list of rules issued in advance describing how far he or she could go physically in a relationship mm-hmm. with someone else other than you before it would be considered cheating? Yeah. Like, wouldn't that be terrible? Like, And so that's kind of the same thing we start to ask. Like, God... How unfaithful can I be with <laughs> right. you um, until it's like way too unfaithful? Yeah. And that's not the way to ask it. It should be something that's different. It's better to ask what sort of allegiance than how much because allegiance depends on what Jesus the King commands of us to do and calls us to do. Mm-hmm. He asks for all of us. And and there is there is much to be found in that allegiance. Uh, but sometimes we play this game of... Can I get away with what Peter does? Yeah. You know? Does that make sense? It does. It's something to think about. I don't know if I answer the question, but... There's a legit... Yeah, there's just a lot of conversation that could could go on. You know, Jesus, he doesn't say, sell some of your worldly possessions and, and bear your own, you know, the bottom part of the cross. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, sell it all. Bear, bear it all. It's... Well, it's the... When Jesus calls calls the rich young ruler to follow him... He tells him to sell everything. Mm-hmm. When he calls Peter to follow him, he tells him to give his whole life for it. Mm-hmm. He even predicts his death later on in John's gospel about how Peter's going to die. Yeah. Um, when he calls me, he's asking, in that calling, he's asking me to give give him all of my allegiance. Yeah. And so that's kind of what I was getting at uh, Sunday and what we need to consider um, because if we start wondering, if we start if we start saying, well, I'm I'm not betraying Jesus on the level of Judas, um, then there's a reason why Peter's in this story too, because that same betrayal is one that should convict our hearts and should drive us to our knees as we consider how we might give ourselves more fully to God, mm-hmm. uh, because. If Jesus, and here's the part that that was key, and I don't know if I drove it home Sunday. If Jesus really gives his life up, is resurrected, and then here's the part that the church doesn't quite understand or doesn't talk about enough. Okay. If he then ascends to the throne and he sits at the right hand of God the Father, not only uh, Philippians, Paul talks about in Philippians that he comes all the way down, all the way down, and mm-hmm. then he's raised all the way up to, to a higher glory that God is going to raise him up and glorify him. And Jesus says in another part of John's gospel, when I am raised up, I will draw all people to myself. He is now the King of King, Lord of Lords, and he is the only one that is worthy of our allegiance of all things. If that is the case, then we should be driven to that allegiance. And and I think we've missed an understanding or a picture of what it means for him to be king of all and yeah. lord of all. And we've tried to settle for some kind of like 
shallow loyalty to Jesus. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder how many, how many of us, or how many times do we deny Jesus? Yeah, the way Peter did, and I think like. Um, like if you're at the office and there's two coworkers who are having a heated conversation mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. one is is, is uh, like an atheist and the other's a Christian and mm-hmm. they're kind of arguing back and forth, do do you step forward and kind of take the side of Jesus mm-hmm. in that conversation? Yeah. Um, or do you step back and say, I don't want to get involved in this. I don't want to. Yeah, and I think and I think here's the key to be allegiant to Jesus is not to take the Christian side and. But to be allegiant to Jesus is probably to be a peacemaker. Mm. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. Ooh, that's a good point. To yeah. bring about unity and to to, yeah. to reconcile differences. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's what it means to be allegiant. And that may that for the, for your scenario, that may make the Christian or the person who's acting mm-hmm. really unpopular, or it may make them lose their job, or it may cause some real problems but this this whole text is asking us to consider is our allegiance to our job or even to our family yeah. or to our careers oh, wow, or that. is it to Jesus mm-hmm. are, are you ready to do things that could cause pain in this life distractions loss of friends um, just things that we we don't like to think about because the king of kings has called us to himself. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that he's calling you to a life that's completely destitute of any happiness. He's calling you to a purpose. He's calling you to something to be a part of him bringing all people to himself. And he's the only one worthy of our allegiance. Mm -hmm. And so for me, this week, it's been, oh my gosh, where have I not been allegiant to him? Right. Where have I been holding on to things and like, um, how can I do that more? That's the season of Lent. How can I identify mm-hmm. those places and allow God to to move in my life so that I can let go of control? That's that's the big that's yeah. the big lesson. And I think it's real powerful that we're talking about this during Lent. Mm-hmm. But you can have that same um, kind of sense of accountability year round. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been talking a lot about small groups and, and yeah. even smaller like accountability groups. Yeah. And um, I take part yeah. in, in a number of them. Yeah. And that is a key yeah. aspect of that is those people in that group helping not only keep you accountable by being there for you and asking you those questions really is, is you know, are you giving yourself to God 100%, you know? Yeah. And uh, daily. Yeah. And I think there's just so much power in that that people should really reach out and see what that looks like and investigate that and, and yeah because think about this so I've talked a lot about allegiance and and I Sunday and, and today we're comparing allegiance to faith and I'm getting that from this idea that the word the Greek word that is commonly translated to faith is mm-hmm. pistis and that word that we always almost always translate to faith, We've gotten it wrong, what it means to have faith in Christ. And so, or at least slightly wrong, a little shallow. And so, allegiance uh, by, by an author, Matthew Bates, 
gets to a little bit more of what Pistis uh, is talking about. And I actually, I'm, I'm tracking with it. I believe it. No. And and it, I was looking at what Luther would say about faith, that um, Martin Luther would talk about faith in these three different ways. And I won't go too far into the Latin, but these three movements of faith. One is that we intellectually apprehend the content. So that means that I understand, okay, the presentation of the gospel is that God... Uh, created us and that um, there is a broken something happens Mm -hmm. things are jacked up God comes in Jesus Jesus is here he's the coming of the kingdom he gives himself up on the cross he is raised from the dead he ascends into heaven he sits at the right hand he shall come again Uh, this is all drawing us back into God and that relationship Um, that's the content. Okay, so that's one part of faith. Okay. I understand that that's the content of the gospel. The second part is I ascend to that. I intellectually agree with that content. And mm-hmm. here's where I think the church gets it right, but I think they stop here. Mm-hmm. I think the church helps people walk down the aisle, confess with their mouth to a pastor, I believe in Jesus Christ, that he's Lord and Savior. I believe in this message that you've just communicated. With my mind, I believe it. I'm pointing to my head right yeah. now because that's key. I believe that that's true. Now, the third part that Luther and the Reformers would say is that we have a trust or disposition or a reliance upon that very belief. So now I'm pointing to my heart because it's not only intellectual, but it's in my heart and I'm actually reorienting my life to be allegiant, to pledge allegiance, to move in the direction of Jesus Christ. That changes how I do finances and how I go to work. That changes my career sometimes, Mm -hmm. where I live, how big my house is, how I raise my children. It, It changes all of these things, how much I give with my time and with my money. All of these things are changed by that understanding of allegiance. And if we haven't experienced that change or continual change in our life, we probably have not moved into that third piece of faith mm-hmm. uh, yeah. the way that I think the New Testament would talk about it and the way that Peter does. Make sense? It does. I like that, that kind of, that um, the description of those three yeah. aspects. Or, there, or it's steps. more holistic. It's more holistic. Yeah, definitely. And so to get to the, your point, Jason, how do we live this out? Mm-hmm. Man, we do it in community. Mm-hmm. We do it with accountability. So how do we understand the content of the gospel? I'm still learning the content in more nuanced and detailed ways um, that Paul says, I pray that you would grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I'm still growing in that, right? Yeah. And so uh, I do that in community and small group. I'm still um, more fully giving myself over to the knowledge of that intellectually. Mm-hmm. As I learn more, I am giving myself over to it more. And then finally, fiducia, that, that third part that I am orient my life to that. I do yeah. that in community with accountability. When when I allow uh, friends of mine to say, How, how's that going? Mm-hmm. And so, Jason, you've experienced this. You're in band groups with, with other men and you're in mm-hmm. small groups with other men and women. And we talk about how God's life, I mean, God's love is truly changing your heart and how you've done with that the last several days. Yeah. And that's hard to do, isn't it? That it can really be difficult. Is. And, yeah. and, uh, and but it's each worth can, it, I would exactly. I would. You know, the the ones I'm in are they're different experiences, and I value each one in its own right. Mm-hmm. And I 
kind of use them to kind of compare and mold the others yeah. based off of that kind of thing. But that's the reason I even care about that or mention it is because it is it is so powerful. And, yeah. and in this one group, I it, I saw an immediate yeah. reaction that we all got kind of at the same time. And I was like, okay, wow, this is definitely... These are people get it. They're in that third, that fiducia group yeah. that yeah. <laughs> you mentioned. And I hope that... Um, everyone who is ready or even thinks they might be ready or doesn't know that they're ready yet will pray about that and go deeper in that and, and really kind of yeah. reach out. Here, here's here's what I would... This this may be too bold and you can email me, but um, I don't think you can go very far in this discipleship journey. I don't think you're going to experience very much the love of God shed abroad in your heart unless you're in a small group, period. Cool. Period. Hmm. You need to be in it. If you're mm-hmm. listening to this and the only community you get is John Wayne and Jason through your radio on the way to work, you, you gotta you gotta be in a small group. Yeah. And it's gonna be uncomfortable and difficult and it's it's hard at first, but it's so worth it. Why? Because we're created for this and this is how it was designed to happen. Yeah. And I have heard I heard another testimony yesterday and I'm hearing more and more of people's lives. People that have been walking with the Lord for a long time coming into this kind of community and going, I didn't I didn't know this was possible for me to feel the way I'm feeling right wow. now. Even in the middle of something really difficult or hard, God is is resetting me and mm-hmm. showing me that there's there's more. And so I just want to challenge all of you that are out there that to, to submit to community and to be a part of community like this. And we've got groups ready for you. Yeah, We have small groups. We are organizing band groups. They're all over the place. So um, reach out to us. Um, the, the other thing I want to say is during Lent, the same way I close Sunday, is there's, there's different ways for us to respond mm-hmm. to the way we think about this. One is it, to give our, our allegiance to Christ overall. The second thing is um, let's let's do it over our finances or over our family or wherever God may be calling you to go a little bit deeper in. Maybe this during Lent is an opportunity to look at that. And the last thing is maybe you have no idea. Maybe your prayer right now is, <laughs> yeah. God, show me where I can let go of control and give you more of that. Um, if it if it's my money, if it's my family, if it's my work, wherever it is, mm-hmm. uh, I release that to you. So. That's all Powerful I would stuff. have to say. Cool. Okay. Where are we going next week? Next week, we are talking about um, encouraged to kind of believe. So the next step, Jesus has the I am the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah. And they're like, how do we get to God? Like, how do we how do we get to the Father? And Jesus like, guys, I'm right in front of you. <laughs> yeah. And so doubt is good and okay, and I, and I don't ever want to squash doubt. Mm-hmm. But there's places where we can lean into faith and and we can trust that Jesus is already working in our midst. And so we're going to talk about that. Very good. I will be there this time, I promise. That's good. And (laughs) we'll try and record it. That's probably, that's what happened. Everyone, right now, I I want you to tell Jason that you forgive him. I appreciate that. All right, thank you for saying that. Yes. (laughs) All right, we'll talk talk to you all next week. Thanks, Jason. Have a good week. Bye. Bye.